it is by the fear of the Lord that we turn from evil. And that can be any type of evil that we're tempted by. Evil in our actions, in our words, or even the things that we allow to dwell and to linger in our minds. And so as a result, all of a sudden, we can see the way in which a correct fear of God serves as a foundation for so many other avenues of spiritual growth. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I am your host. Thanks for joining us today. So right off the bat, I do want to apologize up front for this episode reaching you a day late. Some stuff in my personal life has been pretty crazy in the last few days, and unfortunately, that translated into a delay in getting this episode recorded and published. So please forgive me for that, and just bear with me there. But with that said, welcome back, everybody, for part two of our discussion on fearing God. If you were with us last week for our episode, Fearing God Part 1, then you already know sort of where we're at with this topic. Last week, we spent some time establishing what it means to fear God and what that kind of looks like which is bringing us now into this week, where we're going to be taking that understanding and moving into both some day-to-day application as well as discussing why it's so important to Christian living. If you haven't listened to part one from last week, no worries, but I would highly encourage you to go ahead, pause this episode here, and give that a listen. And then come on back and pick back up here where you left off. We will be continuing from where we left off last week. All right, so if you're still here, I'll assume that we're good to go with today's content. Like I just mentioned, this one is all about the impact of fearing God in our daily lives, and the importance of fearing God is going to be going right alongside that. So, what are these wonderful benefits? Well, I alluded to one of them at the end of our last episode. At the end of last week's episode, we read Proverbs 1, 7. And I'll go ahead and read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's the little refresher there on that verse. And I mean, there it is, pretty plainly stated. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I think it's pretty clear why we would want to have more spiritual knowledge. I mean, just stop and consider for a moment how helpful it is, particularly during hard times, just to have a base of spiritual wisdom to fall back on, and to work with as you grow and move forward. And the more we know and understand spiritually, the better equipped we are also going to be to combat the temptations that we face. So in this way, we can see that fearing God 
is directly related to gaining spiritual knowledge and spiritual wisdom. Additionally, you may notice that it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you're looking to grow in your spiritual knowledge and you don't know where to start, here is a great place to start. Let that reverent fear of God be a foundation to build spiritual wisdom and understanding on. So that's one example of a benefit of fearing God. And it kind of shows a way in which fearing God can be very important to Christian living. Another benefit of fearing God is that it helps combat pride. Now, I mentioned this last week, but it's just so good, I feel like we have to talk about it again. When you're reverently fearing God, it's a constant reminder of how completely inadequate our own righteousness is. And having that reverent fear of God really helps just keep our pride in check. Now, in terms of some discussion about pride, this is something that I mentioned before, actually back in episode 11, where we got into some more in-depth discussion about pride. But one of the best explanations for what sin is, in a simple, easy-to-remember way that I've heard, actually made an acronym out of the word. And basically, it was, shove off God, I'm in charge, no to your ways. In simplest terms, that's a really easy-to-remember way to think about sin, and, and in a broad sense, what sin is. And when you stop and consider that it is God's mercy and Christ's sacrifice alone that stands between us and our rightly deserved punishment for our transgressions and for our sins, not our own works, it really just kills that desire to pursue our own way and to contradict God's commandments. But of course, that's a great intellectual argument, and it's a lot easier sometimes to know and understand that than it is to actually put into practice during struggles and times of temptation. And I know that as well as anyone. And that's where I personally find that fearing God can help a lot. You know, often, when those situations arise, it's almost as if that focus on fearing God can resolve those temptations right away. And that's because fearing God orders your desires in such a way that when we find ourselves in those situations, the momentary appeal that sin has just pales in comparison to our desire to honor God. Now, does it always work like that? No. We're imperfect, and as Christians, even striving to follow God, to honor God, we fall short sometimes. But those occasions still don't discredit the incredible power that fearing God has to reorder our desires into something more appropriate, into something more Christ-like. 
So we've been talking for a little bit now about the way fearing God helps us combat pride. But of course, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. We can see this backed up with scripture. And here I'm going to go ahead and read Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So it's made very clear here in Proverbs that the fear of God stands in opposition to pride and arrogance. It's like one of those graphs with the line slanting down. You know, it starts out high on the left and then it it goes down as you progress to the right. As fear of the Lord increases, room for pride in our lives decreases. And of course, if you want a refresher on the impact of pride in our spiritual walks, I would point you back to episode 11, which I mentioned earlier, where we talk in full force about the topic of pride and the impact of pridefulness. Now, I mentioned just a moment ago that fearing God reorders our desires. And that's actually going to be very important for our discussion moving forward. And a reverent fear of God doesn't just reorder our desires, it orders our desires correctly. Now, we can gain a lot of perspective uh, from being a God-fearing person. And that perspective is crucial to really zooming out past the desire for instant gratification and our natural tendency to chase the fleeting satisfaction that we can find in the natural world and opening our eyes and seeing the true importance of our walk with God. And there are a lot of great verses that help with perspective in Scripture as well. One that came to mind here was Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when we read a passage like this, it makes us really conscious of the ways we're fighting to store up worldly treasures, and how we can shift our focus to storing up heavenly treasures. So bearing that in mind, for me, and I would venture to say, perhaps for others as well, Having some intentionality about fearing God helps cultivate that same sort of awareness. It prompts those mental audits, so to speak, to check and make sure my priorities are aligned correctly. And through sanctification, as we grow closer to God in our spiritual walks, like we've said, our desires are changed as well. And that's a very powerful thing when the things that used to tempt you don't even really seem that appealing anymore. Now, this actually reminds me of a story from 
way back in my elementary school days as a child in guidance class. We had a specific time set aside where our school guidance counselor would come in and have a little class time with us, I guess to work on our development as children. To Truth be told, I don't really know exactly what the learning objectives were. But I'll never forget this. We were sitting there at our desks, and the guidance counselor walked around the room, and she put a single Starburst candy on each of the desks right there in the corner. And she said, don't touch it, don't eat it yet. And when she passed one out to every student, she went to the front, and she said, okay, here's the deal. You can, if you want to, take that Starburst and eat it now. And that's that. But if you leave it there on the desk all through the class, at the end, if you haven't eaten it, I'll give you a second Starburst. So you get two Starburst. And obviously the point was to try to give us a tangible way to understand the benefits of self-control and recognizing that we could have a greater benefit if we were willing to you know, bridle ourselves in the moment. And I thought about this particularly with regards to gaining perspective on earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. But that's kind of a, a poor analogy because one starburst to two starburst, that's only a 100% increase. It's actually more like if they had put a raw potato in front of us on the desk and said, hey, you can eat this raw potato right now, and that's cool, or don't eat the raw potato, and at the end of class, we've got two dump trucks full of starburst out there for you, and there won't be any yellow ones in it. Hopefully that made a little sense. Maybe it made you smile. I don't know, maybe there's some people out there who really love yellow starburst. Now, obviously, that's that's a very limited analogy, and, you know, in all seriousness, getting back to the topic, nothing in this world is worthy to be compared to eternal life in heaven and salvation from our sins. But you get the point. What we have here is so fleeting compared to what is waiting for us in heaven. And just like a little kid in a classroom with a piece of candy in front of them, we are so tempted to reach out and grab that treasure now, when in fact there is something so much greater waiting for us. If we exercise that self-control, if we work to honor and glorify God, and just obey his commandments. And I will apologize again if I lost or confused anybody with my starburst analogy. So moving on, I think we've pretty well established this, but another way in which fearing God is important to spiritual growth is that it goes alongside our sanctification. Let me explain that some more. For anyone who is unfamiliar with that term sanctification, that's a word that refers to the process of becoming more and more Christ-like. And I'm aware I have been hinting forward to an episode about sanctification for a while now. And trust me, I haven't forgotten. 
that is still in the works. So the point here is that the process of sanctification, of drawing closer to God, becoming more and more Christ-like, and the action, or I suppose perhaps more rightly, the lifestyle of fearing God, are related to each other. That reordering of desires that the reverent fear of God can drive naturally directs our actions and our attitudes to be more Christ-like. Once again, this is not some fancy new connection here. It is something that is backed up by Scripture. And we can see this in Proverbs 16, verses 6 and 7. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. It is by the fear of the Lord that we turn from evil. And that can be any type of evil that we're tempted by. Evil in our actions, in our words, or even the things that we allow to dwell and to linger in our minds. And so as a result, all of a sudden, we can see the way in which a correct fear of God serves as a foundation for so many other avenues of spiritual growth. For example, fearing God leads us to be obedient to God because we're turning from the sin and pridefulness of disobedience to God. It also impacts the way that we might approach worship. The reverence element of that reverent fear, in particular, inspires authentic worship of the Lord as a way to praise Him and give glory to God, not only for the great things that He's done, but also simply who He is. And those are just a couple of examples. There are so many ways in which we as Christians benefit from being God-fearing, and those are just some that personally connect with me. So as we start to move towards the close of this week's episode, I really hope that some of this week's discussion has shown how important fearing God is to Christian living, and just some of the ways that it drives spiritual growth. Like I mentioned last time, this topic, fearing God, is one that I am personally very passionate about, and one that I've been looking forward to for a while now. So being here and actually getting to discuss this topic has truly been enjoyable for me. I can honestly say that these episodes have been a huge blessing for me, even simply in the writing and the recording, and I pray that they have been a blessing to you as well. And if this week's episode or last week's episode has inspired your personal study or even just given you some food for thought on this topic, please share it with your friends, family, or anyone else that you feel would benefit from it. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, 
Love your enemies and count your blessings. Thank you.